God, we love you. We are so grateful for you. So grateful for the ways in which you move in our lives. So grateful for the, for the ways in which you move in our hearts and in the lives of this church. And God, we just pray. Uh, we pray for your just continued guidance this morning, God. As, we, as, I, as I speak, would the words that come out of my mouth be your words for your people on your day? God, we all come to hear from you this morning, God. We, we want to hear from you. We desire to hear from you this morning. Would you speak to us through your word? God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We are in a week, technically week four, of our, of our uh, Stories Jesus Told series. Uh, I'm grateful for Jason a couple weeks ago who filled in. Uh, he did a great job talking about the parable of the soils. Uh, but the two weeks before that, we talked about the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. That was in Luke 18. Talked about humility, having the heart of the tax collector and not the Pharisee who, who basically was just praying and telling God how good he was. You remember this? Uh, Thank you, God, that I'm not like those people. That was basically his prayer. And then the tax collector just says, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says it was the tax collector that, was, that came away justified. It was the one with the, the humble heart. Jesus says, that's, that's what I'm looking for. We talked about humility that week. Uh, and then the next week, we talked about the wise and the foolish builders that Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 7, about building our foundation on the rock. Uh, and what is that foundation? How do we do that? Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the man who built his house on the rock. It's through obedience. We talked about obedience that week. You know, this week, uh, we're going to be jumping into the parable of the Good Samaritan. Uh, the Good Samaritan is one of my favorite uh, parables of Jesus. This is one of those that even if you haven't actually heard the actual parable, you've at least, you know, you've the, just the name Good Samaritan rings a bell. We use this in our, in our language here in America. We talk about someone who does something good for someone in need. They'll, they'll be called a Good Samaritan. We have Good Samaritan hospitals all around the country, right? Good Samaritan is, is something that has, it's just around. We know it. And when we think about this story, many times we hear this story as just love your neighbor and love your enemy. And that's honestly a really good takeaway for this story. But I think that Jesus is speaking as well to the hearts of the listeners who are all around. Uh, he's speaking to the hearts of, of the listeners. There's actually a story that happens right before this parable that I think actually gives us a lot of insight. We've talked about the context of these parables every single week. There's a story that happens in Luke chapter 9 that I think gives us some really good context into what is happening right now. See, during the time of Jesus, there were kind of these two neighboring groups who just really didn't like each other. They, just re they were neighbors that really didn't like each other. Anyone else have some bad neighbors at some point? I've, I've got some stories about some bad neighbors I won't tell this morning, but I'm sure everybody, every one of us here at one point in our lives has had a bad neighbor. So we have these two neighbors who just really don't like each other. One of these neighbors is the Jewish people. The Jewish people are, this is, Jesus was a part of this group, right? The Jewish people. The other neighbor was the Samaritan people. These people really didn't like each other. There is a long, complicated history as to why, uh, but they were hostile toward each other. They were violent toward each other in many times. The Jewish people had some big issues with the Samaritans. Why? First of all, they were okay marrying non-Jews, which was not a Jewish thing to do. That was a big deal. They worshiped God differently than the Jewish people did. 
And there's, there's just a, a long list. Again, there's just there's history there. There's a long list of reasons why the Jewish people and the Samaritans really did not like each other. Think Hatfield McCoy. Think Ohio State, Michigan. Phil Mickelson, Tiger Woods. Just whatever, Boston Red Sox, New York Yankees. Whatever rivalry you want to put in there. Think about that when you think about the Samaritans and, and the Jewish people. Giants, Dodgers. There we go. There's a local one. This is the kind of rivalry. This is kind of, kind of just, they didn't like each other. They didn't really want to like each other. They were just fine being the way they were towards each other. They were, they were really good. In fact, there was such a big deal. This, this thing, the Jewish people had this thing that if you had a, had a Jew, if, if, a, if a Samaritan entered the synagogue, that Samaritan was viewed as cursed. Right? They, there was, this was a big, big deal. If you had a Samaritan over for dinner, you were bringing judgment upon yourself. This is a big deal, right? I just want you to kind of grasp this, grasp this real quick. And there's a story in Luke chapter 9, uh, just at the end of Luke chapter 9, uh, actually starting at verse 51, uh, and I'll just, I'll just read this, because no one was immune to this. Even the disciples were not immune to this rivalry, this sense of kind of, uh, we, we really don't like those people. So, verse 51 in chapter 9, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem, and he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him, but the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. Just the fact that he was going to Jerusalem meant that he, he wasn't welcome in that Samaritan city. When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? <laughs> but Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he and his disciples went to another village. <laughs> this is, the disciples were not immune to this. They go into a Samaritan town to get it ready for Jesus, and they reject him. And their initial, like their number one response, like their legitimate thing that they were thinking was, Jesus, can we just call down fire from heaven on them? They were, they did not like each other. So, I mean, this it would be nice. Like, you just think, think about those neighbors that you were thinking about earlier when I talked about bad neighbors. Have you ever just wanted to be like, can I just call down fire from heaven on you? Like, I just want to be, I just want to be done with this whole situation. I just want to be, just, just move, right? Just, just be done. And that, this is exactly what they're thinking here. And it would be nice to do that sometimes, but this is, Jesus, though, calls them to something different. He rebukes them and says, no, this is not the way we're going to do things. We'll just go to a different city. And Jesus calls us something different as well, which leads us to our next parable. And this parable in Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 25, is a parable. They, again, in that story, in, that very, in the one we just read in chapter 9, they are on their way where? They are on their way to Jerusalem. When we read this story, when this parable that Jesus tells, they are still on their way to Jerusalem. This sense of just like hate towards the Samaritan village, this sense of like, can we just call down fire from heaven, is still right there. All right, this is still fresh in their minds, fresh in their hearts. Like, we've just been rejected by the Samaritans. Like, who are they to do that? Let's just fire down from heaven. Let's just be done with all the Samaritans. Jesus tells this story, starting at verse Luke 25. <laughs> verse Luke, man. Starting at Luke chapter 10, verse 25. 
says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. This isn't the story yet. I apologize. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? I want to stop right there. Just, this, again, just sets some context here. The first thing that we see is this man that Jesus is talking to is a teacher of the law, which basically at this time probably meant that he had it memorized. He was an expert in the law. He probably had the entire Old Testament memorized, but he definitely had this part, Deuteronomy chapter 6, the Shema. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. All right, we have this, this, this thing that he repeats. is straight out of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 and 5. And, and honestly, he, he kind of nails this answer. What must I do? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Jesus says, look, you've answered correctly. You've answered correctly. But there's this sense of like needing to, to justify himself there. And really, probably to clarify this, well, who's my neighbor? Who do I have to love? Are there people that are exceptions to this rule? Are there some people that I can just kind of set aside? Maybe like a Samaritan. And Jesus tells this story. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. And he has this kind of, we'll get to this conversation. But I just want to look at this, this story that Jesus tells. The beginning of this story, we, we find a little bit... Shocking, right? A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He was met with robbers. They stripped him. They beat him. They left him for dead. See, this is, this story honestly could have been ripped from the headlines of the day. This is not, this is like, he's just setting the context here, basically. Like, this happens all the time. This was known. This, this road actually had a nickname. It was called the Road of Blood because of all the robberies and the beatings that happened on that road. This was not a, a shocking thing in this story, and it really wasn't even, even a surprising part of this story. It was, just a, it was just everyone that Jesus was talking to would have probably been pretty familiar with what Jesus was talking about here. But then there's some twists in this story. See, the shocking part is not that there was a man who was beaten and left for dead. There's some twists. The first twist is this. The first kind of twist in the story is that a, a Levite and a priest walk by. And they don't do anything. They don't stop. See, the priest and the Levite, they were the good guys in this culture. 
they were the guys that were like, they were, they were high up on the, on the list of people to be, the priest and the Levite, and they were thought of as people who, who loved humanity. In fact, there was, a, there was an Old Testament law in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 16, says, do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. I am the Lord. The priests and the teachers of this day would, would translate this, and they would, they would put this in, in modern day context. They would say this, if you see someone drowning, and you know how to swim, but you don't save them. You are drowning them. If you see someone on the side of the road and you don't help him, you are just as bad as the ones who robbed him. You are continuing the violence against that person. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor. I am the Lord. Many people have speculated as to why these people didn't stop. And we don't really know the answer. Could have been that they were heading home from the temple that day and they didn't want to be unclean. Could have been that they thought it was too late for the man. It wasn't going to do him any good anyways. Could have been that there was just too big a risk. Are the robbers still here? Is this, are they leaving this guy as bait for us? We really don't know much, but we do know that they were experts in the law. And they would have known that it was their responsibility to help this guy. That's the first twist of the story. The good guys don't do anything. The priest and the Levite, they just sit. Here's the second twist as a Samaritan walks up. Now, when, when, when stories were being told like this, there was sort of like a, a, a way that they would be told. They would be told in social groups. And so you would start with like, in, in order, if you were telling a story and you were kind of making it a moral thing, you would go, priests and Levites, they're kind of right here. And then we've got the, uh, the, the ordinary Jews. And then you've got tax collectors, which we talked about them a few weeks ago. And then you have Samaritans. They were lower on the rung than the tax collectors. But you, if you were telling a story and you were kind of going to use these people groups, you wouldn't skip. You would just say, hey, a priest and a Levite walked up, and then a Jewish person walked by, and then a tax collector walked by, and then if you were going to get to the Samaritans, it would be, and then a Samaritan walked by. He skips all of those. He goes straight from priest and Levite to Samaritan. Now, telling the story in out loud, he's telling this story to a group of people, to an expert in the law, right? To probably a priest or a Levite. He, he, Jesus tends to do this. He tends to tell the story about the person to the person. Right? That story a, a few weeks ago, we were talking about the Pharisee and the tax collector. He was talking about how the tax collector was the one who came home justified. Who was he talking to? He was talking to a Pharisee about how the Pharisee was, was not right. Same is true here. He's talking to the priest, and, and, or a Levite. He's talking to a, an expert in the law, and he's like, look, these guys walked by, did not do anything. And now a Samaritan walks by. As Jesus says, a Samaritan walks up. I guarantee you, the very first thing on people's mind was like, man, this guy's already had a bad day, and now a Samaritan's got to come? He's just going to like finish him off. He's just going to take whatever else he has and just, just leave him there. He's just going to frisk him and kick him off a cliff or something. But here's the third twist. The Samaritan actually helps. It's the Samaritan that actually does something. And the people listening would just be like, this is outrageous. 
this is officially just a, this is a fairy tale that you're telling us, Jesus. The Samaritan would never do this. The Samaritan, the Samaritan would stop and help. It's like me saying, like I do, at the beginning of every football season, hey, the Lions are going to win the Super Bowl this year. At one time, it's going to be true. I promise it will be true. But it's not every year. <laughs> but this is what it's like. A Samaritan helps. Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the Lions are going to win this year. Uh-huh. Yeah, good job. But this is what he's talking about here. The, the, the Samaritan stops and helps. This story is, is scandalous. And not only does he stop and he cares for the guy, but he actually just, he does everything. He does the equivalent of just like putting him in his car, driving him to the nearest place that can help, and just basically laying down a credit card and being like, hey, whatever this guy needs, it's on me. Whatever he needs, whatever he needs, it is on me. This is a ridiculous story. Not only in this fact, because the priest and the Levite are the bad guys in this story. They don't stop. They don't help. And not only that, he's telling the story to one of them, like I said. You know, the amazing thing with Jesus, he's really challenging this guy on the issue of of who we should love. And then he does something really interesting. He, He uses... Sort of in rabbinic teaching tradition, they would use this thing called a remez. And a remez is basically like a hint. Like if I were to say right now, if someone told a secret, they let the cat, you would know, out of the bag. Or if I was to say at Easter, we usually say, he is risen. You would be able to say, he is risen indeed. Jesus pulls the same thing to this person in verse 36. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? Remember, this expert in the law didn't ask that question. He didn't ask who was the neighbor. He said, who is my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? Who do I have to love? Who's the one? Who, is there anybody, anybody that I can leave out here? Is there anybody that I can just kind of just move on by? Right? Is it, who, who is my neighbor? And Jesus, after telling this story, flips the script on him and he said, who, not who is the neighbor, but who, who was the neighbor in this story? And of course, we all know the answer. This expert in the law knew the answer as well, but here's, here's what he says. The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Notice what he didn't say. The Samaritan. Still, just can't quite wrap his mind around the fact that the Samaritan was the one who helped. Who was the neighbor? It was the one who had mercy. It was the one who had mercy. He challenges the heart of this guy, makes him look face to face with the Samaritan, the enemy, the one that he did not like. And the answer is the one who had mercy. The answer is the Samaritan. You had to wonder, like, what was he thinking at this point? Like, how, what, is, what is this expert of the law thinking at this point? How could he do something like that? It would take an act of God for a Samaritan to do what Jesus is telling him that he's going to do. And you know what? He's exactly right. It would. And it does. When we do the same thing. It's an act of God when we do what the Samaritan does. But I don't know how the story ends. We don't know how the story ends. We don't know what this man walks away and thinks. We don't have that in the next 
verse, Jesus tells him, go and do likewise. That's the end of this story. After this man says, who, answers this question, who was the neighbor? And he says, the one who had mercy. Jesus says, go and do likewise. Basically, you go and be like the Samaritan. <laughs> Which probably just was like salt in the wound at that point. Uh, you go, you be, you be like the Samaritan. I don't, know, I don't know how this guy walks away, but I would imagine it's sort of like the story in Luke chapter 18. Well, you know the story of the rich young ruler who says, hey, what do I need to be, do to be saved? Jesus says, follow these commandments. And he says, I've done all that. And Jesus says, then I need you to do this. I need you to sell all your possessions. Give it to the poor. And the man walks away sad. I, in my mind, there's probably a similar reaction to this. If not, then there's, a, there's just, he's probably not a priest or a Levite anymore. Probably not super accepted into this Jewish culture because to go and to be like the Samaritan was to go and to be like the enemy. To go and to be like the person I hated the most. But this is what Jesus calls us to do and calls him to do. So as I think about this story, I think about what Jesus is trying to tell these people who are listening. Right? The, he's talking directly to this expert in the law, but his disciples are around and they remember what they have just asked. The disciples have just, you know, a day before maybe, they're on the same walk to Jerusalem. It's not a super long walk said, hey, can we bring down fire from heaven on the Samaritans? And now Jesus is like, no, you need to actually be like the Samaritan. I talk about just like, just a complete mind shift for what it means to live the kind of life that Jesus is calling us to live. Right, who, do I, who do I love? What do we do with words like love your neighbor in, in light of this story? Because we see that elsewhere in Scripture. Right? Love your neighbor as yourself. We see that. Should we ask that same question, who is my neighbor? We've already been given the answer. It's the one who shows mercy. Be the neighbor. Right? The, the answer to this question, you know, are there people that, that I cannot love are there people that I can just kind of set aside? This happens right now in our political landscape. Oh, you don't agree with me? Done. It happens all over the place. Oh, you don't agree with what I'm saying? You don't, you don't like the same people that I like? You don't listen to the same music that I like? You don't listen to the same speakers? You don't believe the same things that I believe in terms of you know, things that don't relate to Scripture? You don't believe this? You don't believe that? Oh, you're a, you're a Dodger fan? You're a Giants fan? You're, you know, whatever, name those rivalries. You're a Hatfield or McCoy, whatever. Like, you're, oh, you're one of those? We're done. No. This is not what Jesus is calling us to do. Jesus is calling us to, to be the neighbor. To be the one who says, look, I don't care about any of that stuff, but I love you. I see you in your time of need. I see you. I see you in your pain. I see you in your struggles. I don't want to be there with you. I'm going to do everything that I can to be the presence of Jesus to you.
I'm going to do everything that I can to make sure you know that you are loved. I'm going to do everything that you can to know that you are my neighbor. Now, this is what it means. This is what it means to love your neighbor. It goes beyond the people we disagree with. It goes beyond the people that, that we know, we don't know, that we have different thoughts about. It goes beyond all of that. I mean, this Samaritan went to a stranger, an unknown, someone he came across as he went about his day. I, I, I don't think the Samaritan checked first to make sure he was a Samaritan or checked first to see if he was a Jewish person to see if he could go over there. I, I don't think he did. I think the Samaritan just said, hey, there's a person here who needs help. And he did it. This is an example of what loving our neighbor is all about. But here's the question that I that I've been thinking about this week as I've been thinking about this story. How many times have I walked by figuratively or actually? How many times have I walked by someone who needed me in that moment? Have I been attuned to the spirits leading in my life to, to, to say like, I think I, need to, think I need to stop, I think I need to talk to this person, I think I need to go help this person, I think I need to go do this or do that. And, are we aware of those moments? That's really the thought I was having. Am I, am I aware of the moment? Am I aware in the moment that I'm being called to be the neighbor? And really the second thought that I had was, am I willing to do that? Am I willing to be the Samaritan? Am I willing to be the neighbor? Am I willing to be the one who shows mercy? Am I willing to be the one who is who is able to step outside of these boxes that we tend to put ourselves in and say, it doesn't matter. This person needs help. Are we aware of the moment? And are we willing to love our neighbor in the moment? I know for me, too often, I've been on the calling down fire from heaven's side. <laughs> Maybe you as well. I don't always... Uh, I don't always err on the side of grace, the side of love. Sometimes I just get angry. But I think I want to be more like the Samaritan. And I want to just be able to stop and say, like, look, I, you're, my, you're in need. I am your neighbor. I'm called to love. No matter who, no matter what, no matter where, no matter when, we're called to love. Let's be neighbors this week. Let's be neighbors. Let's pray.